Good morning again. Good to see you. I'm excited about Discovery today. That's happening at noon. So we have about 21 people that have signed up for that. Uh, a couple folks just told me today that they can't do it. So Melinda said, you have to be registered. We might let a few squeak in. So we have room for like 25 or 30. So what that is, is kind of kicking the tires, figuring out what Christway is, what we're all about, not just how we do things, but why we do them. Kind of pull back the curtain, let you look at that. So if you haven't actually registered for that, you're welcome to join us. We'll figure it out. Uh, again, we got about 30 seats prepped already and, and uh, lunch ready for, for 30 folks. So we, we bought a little extra on purpose. So you'd be welcome to join us. And that's not just new folks. That's folks that have been here a while because uh, we, we want you to rekindle that in your heart and spirit, the why, the why we do what we do. Wednesday night, Deeper Still was so good. It was so good. Uh, it was a breakthrough moment for me, a breakthrough moment for my son, the two of us, uh, sitting, sitting right back here, just this, this, this God moment that was quite possibly, according to Chip, the biggest God moment to date in his life which is fantastic, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's the kind of stuff that happens. Now, I'm going to precursor this with a message today. If you weren't here, you don't even know you missed it. That's what you have to pay attention to. When you're not in those spaces, your life doesn't change. You don't even know that it didn't happen. That's not a rebuke. It's more of a data event, right? More of a, a, a recognition of when we put ourselves in these spaces, then our life changes. Otherwise, we just feel like that's the way it's supposed to be. Except there is, this isn't a club. This isn't a country club. This isn't some group, community group. This is a church. And the Spirit of God makes it his body. And the Spirit of God is what, when we connect into, changes everything. That's what's unique about this particular gathering. You can go to the mill and hear good music, but there's something about the Spirit of God. And so my encouragement is today, right now today, being the first day of our 21 days of prayer, and every day that you can catch. Now, I'm going to tell you this. It's not going to be the same. But you can go to pray first. Pray first. And when you Google search that, it's going to say pray first app. And you just hit those buttons and you, you'll, it'll walk you through it. But it will get you to an app where you can actually follow right along. And they pray at 6 a.m. Central. So we're praying at 7 a.m. Eastern. And we're going to stream it. The center screen is going to come down. We're going to be right in the middle of all of it. Music, singing, teaching, preaching, prayer, direction, we're going to join them with hundreds of other churches all around the country and do that for 21 days. Now, you can do it at home. If you're on your way to work, you can do it. If you're not a morning person, you can do it. I will say it'll be better in here. It won't be bad, but it will be better in here. It will just be better for you. So any part of that that you can make, I encourage you to do it. I want us to open today looking at Acts 19. Acts 19 is a passage where Paul is in a space called uh, Ephesus. And I'll start right here. We'll just start reading verse 1. 
while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and he arrived at Ephesus. And there he found some disciples and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now they answered, no, we've not even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, well, then, then what baptism did you receive? And John's baptism is what they reply. Paul says John's baptism was a baptism of repentance, just turning. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is Jesus. That's the turning part. And on hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. They spoke in tongues. They prophesied. And there were about 12 men in all. This is such a curious moment to me. That Paul in his journey, Paul moving around, met these guys, these 12 dozen disciples, and we find out through the story, they were disciples of John, John the Baptist. John the Baptist who said, behold the Lamb of God, turning people to Jesus, right? He comes across these disciples, and he asks them such a curious question. Like when I sit on a plane with someone, they always ask me the same thing. One of two things. Where are you headed? What are you doing? What do you do for a living, right? That's always the thing. What do you do for a living? He didn't go, hey, guys, what's up? How's everyone doing? What do you all do for a living? He opened, his opening question was, hey, fellas, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Now, that is interesting, and it was the question not only that he led with, but you have to think about it for a moment. It's a very curious question. Not have you received the Holy Ghost. Not have you received the Holy Spirit. But have you received the Spirit since you believed? He wasn't asking if they believed. There was already a belief there. You see, they'd already believed. He says, so we got that box checked. You believed. Now, since that moment of belief, have you received the Holy Spirit? That should challenge us. I believe that the Spirit of God, according to Ephesians, as the earnest of our inheritance or the engagement ring on our marriage, comes to us at faith. I believe that. And then there's a question like this. I believe the Spirit of God in faith in that moment and righteousness and all that stuff that happens to me and the innocence and the robe that covers me and all of those things. And then there's a question like this. Since you believed, have you received the Spirit? And that was his lead. Well, that was his question. I have a couple questions for you. That's actually the title today. I have a couple of questions for you. That'll be our title today. First question is this. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? be question one. Since you believed, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Now, during the past week, my mind has been drawn to the story of Uzziah. I am pretty sure no one else in the room can say that. I've been thinking about Uzziah this week. Let's go to 2 Kings 15. All week long, I've been thinking about King Uzziah. And the story is in 2 Kings chapter 15. It's it's up on the screen there. I'm reading out of the NIV. I'm just going to read a few verses, give you a little context. In the 27th year of Jeroboam, 
king of Israel, Azariah, son of Amaziah, king of Judah, began to reign. Azariah, son of Amaziah, king of Judah, began to reign. Who did I tell you I was thinking about? Uzziah. Well, anyway, Azariah, whoever this guy is, he was 16 years old when he became king. He reigned in Jerusalem 52 years. His mother's name was Jechaliah, and she was from Jerusalem. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Amaziah had done. Don't you love when dad is Amaziah and son is Azariah? Why does the Bible do that to us? The high places, however, were not removed. The people continued to offer sacrifices and burn incense there. Verse 5, the Lord afflicted the king, that's Azariah, with leprosy until the day he died, and he lived in a separate house. Jotham, the king's son, had charge of the palace and governed the people of the land. As for the other events of Azariah's reign and all he did, are they not written in the book of the annals of the kings of Judah? Azariah rested with his fathers and was buried near them in the city of David, and Jotham, his son, succeeded him. That's the second Kings passage. I'd like you to turn with me to the second Chronicles passage, where it says the annals of the kings of Judah. Aren't these things also written in the annals of the kings of Judah? So let's go to second Chronicles chapter 26. In the Hebrew Bible, Chronicles is at the very end of a Hebrew Bible. Like you go all the way through the whole thing, and these, this, these books of Chronicles are at the very, very end. And it is a chronicle. Right? It's this listing, this gathering. So you'll see there are different stories, same story, two different places. We're in 2 Kings. Now, in our Bible, you just jump a few pages to the right. In the Hebrew Bible, you go all the way to the back. So we're going to read 2 Chronicles 26. For those that are having trouble getting enough Bible reading in, I'm going to help you with that this morning. We're going to read a lot of the Bible today. Here we go, chapter 26. Then all the people of Judah took Uzziah. Now that's who I'd been thinking about all week. Uzziah, who was 16 years old. Hmm. Same as that guy named Azariah. And he made him king in the place of his father, Amaziah. Apologies, but this is just how the book is written. You see... Uzziah and Azariah, same guy. Same guy. He was the one who rebuilt Elith and restored it to Judah after Amaziah rested with his fathers. Uzziah, just like Azariah. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king. He reigned in Jerusalem 52 years. Again, it says, his mother's name was Jechaliah, and she was from Jerusalem. What was his mama's name? Interesting. Mentioned both times. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Amaziah had done. He sought God. He sought God during the days of Zechariah, the prophet who instructed him in the fear of the Lord. And as long as, can we say it together? As long as he sought the Lord. God gave him success. As long as he sought the Lord. It can't be any clearer than that, right? He sought the Lord. He was 16 years old. He became king. He did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. 
He sought God during the days of Zechariah, and as long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. There it is. There's the secret. Secret sauce. Anybody? As long as you seek the Lord, God will give you success. He went to war against the Philistines. He broke down the walls of Gath, Jabna, and Ashdod. He then rebuilt towns near Ashdod and elsewhere among the Philistines. God helped him. God helped him against the Philistines, against the Arabs, who lived in Gerbaal, and against the Meunites. The Ammonites brought tribute to Uzziah, and his fame spread as far as the border of Egypt because he had become very powerful. His fame spread, and he had become very powerful. Continue. He built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate, at the valley gate, at the angle of the wall. Start tracking with me, will you? Every time you see the word he. He fortified them. Before, he was leaning on the Lord. But since his fame began to spread, and the scripture told us he became powerful, once he became powerful, he fortified them. He also built towers in the desert and dug many cisterns because he had much livestock in the foothills and in the plain. He had people working in his fields, in vineyards, in the hills, in the fertile lands, for he loved the soil. Verse 11 really tells us, Uzziah had a well-trained army. When you're reading through that and you begin to see transition, you begin to feel it. You begin to recognize there is a shift happening here. He sought the Lord, and the Lord blessed him. But as things happened, it became more about he did, this, he did, and he did. You're not reading God did. You're reading he, and he did this. And he had a well-trained army. When you have a well-trained army, you don't need to trust. When you have an HMO, you don't need to pray. When you have insecticide, you don't care about pestilence. And when you got bottled water, drought doesn't turn your head. But if you read 2 Chronicles 7.14, preceded by 7.13, the Lord says, if I sent a pestilence, if I sent a plague, if I sent a drought, it doesn't mean anything to you. Because you have all these other things covered. You have a well-trained army. Sometimes our blessing gets in the way. We have a well-trained army. We have resources. We feel like we have options. Your options are going to run thin. Colossians chapter 2 tells us that we can do right, act right, look right, live right. And it says it means nothing. And it says it has not the first moment of power against lust and sensual desire. Because you're not going to defeat lust and sensual desire through dictates and rules and keeping of rules. It will be the spirit that does it. It's the spirit that gives us the power over, the power to overcome. He had a well-trained army. 
ready. They were ready to go out by divisions according to their numbers as he mustered by Jael the secretary and Messiah the officer under the direction of Hananiah, one of the royal officials. Look at this, verse 12. The total number of family leaders over the fighting men, 2,600 leaders under their command was an army, 307,500 men trained for war. Pay attention to the next phrase, a powerful force to support the king. There's the change. It used to be I was supported by the power of God. God is the one. But when God blesses us, and everybody needs to hear me, when God blesses us, the temptation, the possibility is that we begin to live off that blessing. We begin to live off of that, and we end up like this. It's a powerful force to support the king against his enemies. I'll lean into that powerful force, the one that I've created, the one that I've built around me, the religious temple, the religious construct that I've built around me that helps me feel better about me, it helps me feel better about where I'm headed and how I'm getting there. And if it's not spirit, spirit of God, it's a spirit of religion. It's a spirit of reliance, but it's a spirit of reliance on self. That will never win the day. Happy church, you can do that all day long. Somebody actually walks in here with a serious issue, you're in trouble. You'd be like those seven sons of Siva running down the street naked, bruised, and beaten because that thing will work you over. You rely on something other than the Spirit of God, stand by. You can have a happy day and cheery and praise God and all that mess. Somebody actually shows up with an issue, we'll see. Not supported by your own army. Not supported by programs. Not supported by this. Supported by the Spirit of God. Paul said, I didn't come to you with enticing words of man's wisdom. He said, I came to you with power. That wasn't his own power. That wasn't his own space. That wasn't him pick himself up off his own bootstraps. That was a continued reliance into something else. And if you think I'm talking to the new folks, you need to listen. It's the people that have been here serving God 20, 30, 40 years. You're the one I'm talking to. The ones that have built up this blessed life, and we rely on that. It will not win the day. It will not be enough. All of a sudden, we kick back. We enjoy our Christianity. That is not what this is about. This is about a kingdom. And this is about dominion. And it's about exercising the power of the Spirit of God to see people set free. That is what this is about. Seeing people set free by the power of God, not because they signed a list of rules, but Jesus Christ walked up to them and touched them, and they were forever delivered and forever changed. Uzziah provided, look at that, verse 14. Wasn't God anymore. Uzziah provided it. I got this covered. 
hey, I get it. The scripture says that pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give to you. I got it. This guy over here, he's been a blessing to me, my family. Next step, more than a few times has forked over money to be a blessing. But the reliance was still on God. Don't ever forget that. From both next step and you. The reliance was on God. And when you come to a place or I come to a place where Uzziah provides all the shield, spears, helmet, coats of armor, bows, sling stones for the entire army. In Jerusalem, he made machines designed by skillful men for use on the towers, corners, defense, shoot arrows, hurl stones. His fame spread far and wide for he was greatly helped until, until he became powerful. But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God. He entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar. And this is so interesting to me. Verse 17, Azariah, the priest, with 80 other courageous priests of the Lord followed him in. That's the name he had in Kings. He was called Azariah in the book of Kings. Yet the priest is Azariah, marching right in after him with 80 courageous folks. And me and my courageous folks are marching in after you. You got to lean on the Spirit. You got to give yourself to the Spirit. You've got to be able to let the Lord support His church. You got to let the Lord do the work in His body and in His church. Is this still His church? Some people say it's Andy and Melinda's church. That's what they say. They take shots at me like that. Call it the Andy show. I'm giving you grace. (laughs) Know that. I'm giving you grace. This is God's work. It will rise and fall based on the spirit of the Lord. He will call the shots. We will say yes, and we serve at the pleasure of the president. And let us never forget that. Azariah the priest With 80 other courageous priests, the Lord followed him in. They confronted him. They said, it's not right for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. That's for the priests, the descendants of Aaron, who've been consecrated to burn incense. Leave the sanctuary, for you've been unfaithful. You will not be honored by the Lord God. And Uzziah, who had a censer in his hand, he's got the fire in his hand. He was ready to burn incense. He became angry. And while he was raging at the priests in their their presence before the incense altar, the Lord's temple... Leprosy broke out on his forehead. When Azariah, the chief priest, and all the other priests looked at him, they saw that he had leprosy on his forehead, so they hurried him out. Indeed, he himself was eager to leave because the Lord had afflicted him. Closing it out, King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. He lived in a separate house, leprous and excluded from the temple of the Lord. Jotham, his son, had charge of the palace and governed the people of the land. The other events of Uzziah's reign from beginning to end are recorded by the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos. Uzziah rested with his fathers and was buried near them in a field for a burial that belonged to the kings. For people said he had leprosy. And Jotham, his son, succeeded him as king. 
started out not doing too bad. But he's remembered as the king that had leprosy. He's remembered as the king that was isolated. He did not continue. Uzziah. I've been thinking a lot about Uzziah this week. Such a curious story. For this king that maybe many of you today, first time you ever even heard his name. Do we ever hear his name again? For those that have been in the word a while, his name might actually be quoted. I mean, I don't know, but I feel like his name might be quoted more than any other minor king of Israel or Judah. Of course, everyone says Saul and David and Solomon. But of the others, all the other kings of Israel and Judah, his name might be quoted more than any other. Now, his name wasn't mentioned in power. His name is said as a transitional phrase. His name is said as a sidebar to the main event. Anybody know where that is? Isaiah 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and lifted up, seated on the throne, exalted, train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. Two wings they covered their face, two their feet, two they were flying. They calling one another, holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty, the whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts, the threshold shook. The temple was filled with smoke. And Isaiah says, woe to me. I am ruined. One translation says, I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Now here is the working of the Spirit. One of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he'd taken from the tongs of the altar, and with it he touched my mouth, and he said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord, and that's how it works. Then I hear the voice of the Lord. Who shall I send? Who will go for us? And I say, you want to read it with me? Here am I. Send me. Uzziah is listed as just a transition. I thought about this. When the season of pride, because it said he was full of pride. When the season of self-reliance and pride, when that season ends, the door opens for the spirit. It was in the year that King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. It was in the year that King Uzziah died, self-reliance, pride, all that arrogance, all that puffed up me junk. When that gets put aside, then you have a vision. And then you hear the voice of the Lord. And he talks to us. And we hear him fresh and new. And you might want to read Isaiah 5 for context to Isaiah 6. Because in Isaiah 5, Isaiah goes off on everybody. Woe is this, and woe is that, and woe is that person, and woe is that person. He is on a rant. And then he gets into the spirit of the Lord, which happens the way this happens to all of us. Then he hits his knees and he says, woe is me. So if you're checking out everybody else, you might want to hit your own knees, find yourself in the spirit of the Lord, 
and see if he doesn't say how you're doing. My godson's in his 30s. When he was three, he joined our family. His grandmother, he called her Mimo. She is from the old school. I've told this story before, but I've seen Mimo take off her slipper, look at Leon and say, son, I'm about to tell you about yourself and come after him. We need the spirit of God to do that to us. That's what we need. You can trust your father. It's not a beating. It's not even punishment. It's discipline. It's discipling. It's please tell me about myself. Please, please show me about myself. I want to be under your light. I want your spirit to surround me. I want to be in your hand, above, beneath, beside. Tell me about myself. Because I want to hear your voice. And I want to hear it clean. And when you call me, I want to be able to say, here am I. Send me. And it's only after we have that intimate, personal moment with the Spirit that that's going to happen. When you're looking at everybody else, you think you're doing the work of the Lord. You are wrong. It is what is his work in me. Where is he calling me? To get to the second question, because I promised you two questions. Let's go to Galatians 3. Galatians chapter 3. Starting with verse 1. Now in these five verses, I don't know if there's another chapter in the Bible that is as curious as these five verses. All five verses, the first five verses in Galatians chapter 3, all have a question. I only promised you two questions today. First one, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? That was our first one. There's five questions in here. I'm going to pull one of them up. Here we go. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I'd like to learn just one thing from you. I just, I just, have you ever said this to somebody? Listen, I know there's a lot. I just need to know this one thing. I just need to know one thing. That's what he's doing right here. He's going, hey, I know there's a lot going on. I just need to know this one thing. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? I cannot tell you the pressure that people are throwing at me to help folks observe the law. I don't preach enough about sin. I don't call things out. It is unbelievable. I have conversations every day, sometimes twice, hour, hour and a half, two hours. Is that going to work? Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law? Or by believing what you heard about the Christ? I think that two-thirds of our Bible tells us that obedience to the law doesn't get it done. I'm pretty sure that's what the Old Testament is about. The whole thing, all 39 books, show us that, you know what, there, weren't, there was nobody better than Jews. The Hebrews, there was no one better than the Jews at identifying all the laws, 
And keeping the laws, they had law police like we do. They were called Pharisees. They had law police that went around and checked everybody out. You know what? It didn't work. That's what the whole Old Testament is about. That's not the way you see life change. You see life change from connection to Christ. That's the blue banner. (laughs) Connection to Jesus. And being in a space where that spirit of God can connect. He goes on, verse 3. Are you so foolish? After beginning with the spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Have you suffered so much for nothing, if it really was for nothing? Does God give you a spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law? Or because you believe what you heard? This is like, is, is your relationship with Jesus transactional? Does God do miracles because you observe the law? Like, I'll do this, you do this. If I do this, then I can count on you to do that. If I follow this rule and do those things or don't do those things, then I can count on you. I have your favor. Is that what you think? Because I am super happy to bust up that gospel if that's what you think. You're welcome. I'm super happy to do that. To bust up, because that's not the gospel. That's a transactional relationship. That's an Old Testament relationship. Can we move into the new covenant? Can we move into a new space where the spirit is with us? Where the spirit guides and leads us? Can we step into that spot? I'm not kidding. I'm not trying to be cute. I am happy to put the wrecking ball on that gospel, the transactional one, as as far as I do these things, then I'm good to go. You need to think about the Old Testament because the whole thing says we couldn't get it done. Peter looked at James and John, everybody looked at all of them. Paul was there. He said, guys, why are we putting this yoke on the Gentiles that we ourselves weren't able to bear? Why are we doing that? We couldn't do it, and it wasn't circumcision because clearly that happened. It was something else. We couldn't do it. And they came up with four things. Two of them have to do with blood because it was so gross to Jews, things offered blood and, and strangled. But the two other things were sexual immorality and idolatry, and idolatry covers everything else. You shouldn't do that. Okay. Okay. Is everybody clear on that? Sexual immorality is out. Idolatry is out. Those are the two things. All the Bible things that we have. All the Bible things that we have, the leaders of the first church said, just give them two things. I love two things. Our mission statement is three things. Three single words. I love simple. That's simple. That's simple. What should I do to please God? uh, Sexual immorality and uh, idols. And idols are just anything you look to for fulfillment that's not Jesus, which is everything else. Okay, so there you go. We got those two things. Okay, and they said, you know what? If you do, if you can, if you can hang in there with those two, you'll be doing, you'll be doing good. But how do we get free from those things? Anybody else ever parented a teenager? Stop it. Because I parent one, and let me tell you right now. Stop it didn't get it done. Let me, let me hear my words. Long talks with dad didn't get it done. Hear me. Hear me. Wednesday night, sitting right back there, I walked up to my son. I put my hands on him. He started sobbing. I started sobbing. We were praying. You know what he said to me later, two days later? He goes, Dad, I've never felt anything like what I felt right then. 
That is what gets it done. That, that is what gets it done. Don't you think I can craft a dandy lecture for my son? Don't you think I can list it all out? I'm a counselor, for goodness sakes. Develop discrepancy for him, roll with the resistance and and support self-efficacy. Like, I know how to do that. It didn't work. It didn't work. I don't put my energy, let me tell you how I am as a pastor. I don't put my energies into stuff that doesn't work. I don't put my energies into stuff that doesn't work. It is futile. Life change comes from the Spirit. Second question. Having begun in the Spirit, are you so foolish to think that you will be perfected in the flesh? Two questions. I got two questions for you. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And having begun in the Spirit, are you made perfect in the flesh? I'm inviting you into 21 days of prayer. And I mean praying your bottom off is what I mean. I mean showing up with a desire, showing up with an awareness, showing up with a true sense of need, because I promise you that's what I'm showing up with. A true sense of need. I'm incorporating some fasting. It's not a big deal. It's just a minor bit of fasting, but it's to help me focus. I'm even doing some exercise things these 21 days just to help me carry stuff through the day, not setting any world records or anything. I'm not even leading the prayer. We're going to live stream, and folks are going to lead us. I'm going to show up just like you. But we need to be in this space. This is a calling. This is is an opportunity. It's a timing thing. Freedom is happening. We need the spirit. We want people to actually be free. One of the things that I've said here a long time, Arnick, you can come up. You're going to play some music. We'll, We'll pray a quick minute. Okay. I'll have to dock your pay, but you're welcome to do electric music if you want. This desire for the Lord to actually be among us and the refining and the redefining and the need people need deliverance doesn't happen from signing a card Remember the reference to Uzziah's mother? It's unique to add that. When you look through the scripture and it talks about the kings, and of course all the dads were mentioned, right? Jotham and Amaziah and Azariah and all that. that's, That's common. But it's very uncommon, very unique to add that his mother was Jechaliah. And not just said in 2 Kings, but also 2 Chronicles, both places. Do you recall that it said, and his mother's name was Jechaliah, and she was from Jerusalem. 
It's not going to be lost on us today. Jekyllite is a Hebrew name. It means power of God. Uzziah was literally born from the power of God. Literally. I knew you in your mother's womb. (laughs) Literally born from a woman named the power of God. And a city that represents the church. Jerusalem, the mother of us all. That's interesting. Anyone else here? been born by the power of God water spirit born again we say I have been and I want to stay in that space anybody (laughs) I want to stay in that space what a gift what a privilege to be born of the Spirit. To be born of the Spirit. To be in the church. We're being called to step into the Spirit. Today, these next 21 days, You with me? Will you join me? Because I'm going to be right there next to you. In the back of my house, the backyard, I was sitting out there yesterday. Actually, it was early morning. I took Baylor for a walk. It was just super humid, hot. For some reason, I was really hot. And I don't ever swim in the morning, but I dove in the pool like 7 in the morning. I was certainly out there by myself. Everybody was asleep at my house. I was in the backyard. I looked up, and there's a sign that Simeon actually put up on the house. It's been there for years. Blue, gold lettering, peeled a little bit, a little rustic looking. It says Reliance. I sat in that pool, I looked up, reliance, that's it. That's it. Reliance. Without me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. Reliance. Would you join me in leaning into him these next three weeks, today, right now? Don't say yes tomorrow. Don't say yes tomorrow. Say yes now. Don't don't say yes to this tomorrow. Say yes to this now. Say yes to it now. Say, yes, I'm on, now I'll do it now. To rely on him, to lean into him. For freedom, for the freedom that you want, for the freedom that he promises, for the redemption of your life where we will hear him say, who shall I send? And you're relying on him and you're like, you can send me. I don't have to go overseas. I can cross the street. I don't have to go overseas. I can go from this section to this section. I can pray for people right now, 
right now. Don't wait. Do it now. Say yes now. I got two questions for you. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And do we think that beginning in the Spirit will be made perfect in the flesh? Would you stand with me? Master, we love you today. We come against the spirit of religion that masks itself in a cloak of piety. I come against it in your name, Jesus, with everything I've got, every ounce of anointing that you have put on my life. Allow people to be free. Allow people to be delivered. That's all of us. From folks that have never been in a church before to those that have been living for God for 50, 60 years. That is the common denominator. We all need to rely on you. And we rely on you today, Lord. We step into today. You'll call us into something tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that. But we don't have to worry about all those things. We step into right now. We step into today. We want your spirit. We want your spirit, however it manifests, whatever's going on. None of that matters to us. Whatever you want to do, do whatever you want to do. Do whatever you want to do. But fill us. Fill us. Baptize us. Baptize us. In, in, in moments that are powerful for us, the, the moments like Chip and I had that we cannot deny you did something. We cannot deny it. Those moments, we need those anchors for our faith. Our faith is weak. We're weak. We're human. Thank you so much for those moments that are anchors, that are altars for us. Lord, we are going to seek your face. We want your spirit to baptize us. We want to rely on you. We love you. We're grateful for you. You're our friend. You're our father. We love all that. And then there's this thing where we need to do some business. We do some work in the spirit. So Lord, in these next three weeks, this beautiful, beautiful crowd, Lord God, call us into that moment. Call us into that space and release us as you release your spirit into us. Get us right. Help us do good. Help us think good. Help us reflect you. That's our heart for you today, Jesus. That's our heart for you today. And however you may be doing it, just open. I, I, what does that even mean, open your heart? What does that even mean? So Christian ease. I don't know what it means. Just open your hands, open your heart, just open something. Just let, let the Lord fill. You're, 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 you're willing to receive. You're, you're hungry for something like, uh, here I am. Maybe that's the part that he said first. Here I am and then send me. Just here I am. Here I am. I need life change in my own life. I need freedom in my own life. I need deliverance in my own life. I need you to look in the dark corners. I need you to open doors on rooms. I need you to walk through my life. I need you to do those things for me. We need it as a community. We need it as a community, Jesus. Fill every spot and every place your footsteps. Let it be given to you and your dominion. Every place your footsteps, Jesus. Let it be given to you and your dominion. You and your kingdom for your purpose. Thank you for it.
Thank you for it. Thank you for it. Thank you for it. Thank you for this invitation. Friends, I am passionate about this, and I get angry about it as well. When stuff gets in the way of this, it makes me angry. You felt that exactly right. (laughs) This is God calling us into something. Now, you know that from me, my fallible self. You know that from me. But I do love you. I do love you. And I do my best to rely on the Lord to pastor you. That being said, all the stuff where I get in the way, this is an invitation by the Spirit. An invitation. Remember what I said when we started? Sometimes when we don't participate, there wasn't any life change and we didn't know the difference. This is an opportunity to have something happen where there's great difference. Linda, I'm just going to go ahead and close out. Let's pray one more time together. Just one more time together. Whatever that means for you, whatever you need to say, we're going to open up again. I love that you're praying. I love that you're praying. I love that you're open. I love that you're giving space for Jesus, space for the Holy Spirit. We wait. They waited, they waited a week for him to pour out his spirit in that first upper room. We're waiting. We're here. We're going to show up. We're going to show up and you give us whatever you have. The gifts are given according to the Spirit, whatever the Spirit wants. Thank you, Lord, for it. Thank you for the openness of hearts. Thank you for lives that are open today. Thank you for your touch in all of us. Thank you so much for the invitation to pray, the invitation to listen, the invitation to, to be filled by you. Fill us all with your Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill us. Fill us. Help us rely on you. Take your authority, Jesus. Amen. 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 So, in case you didn't get the message, there's 21 days of prayer coming up, okay? You can go on the Pray First app. You can do that. Discovery's happening here in 15 minutes. You can join us upstairs. And freedom starts this week. So thank God for it. Thank you for being here today.